thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We'd love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org slash contact to introduce yourself today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are faithful, uh, that in a world that presents us with so many instabilities, that you are stable. The Lord, that you secure our insecurities, that you are reliable in all things and at all times. And so, Lord, as we sing these songs, I pray that it will be more than just words that we speak, but it will be the prayer of our hearts. The Lord, that we would have great faith in you. The Lord, that we would put full confidence in you, both with our life now and our life that is to come. Lord, we rejoice because you are good. Your track record is amazing. You have never failed us yet. And because of how good you've been, the Lord, it is our joy to give you every hallelujah and to give you shouts of praise. And all of God's people said a big amen and amen. Come on and give God a big shout hallelujah and a big hand clap of praise. Oh, come on, Woodside. You can do better than that. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. How many are glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. It is uh, good to see all of my friends that are gathered here in person. Also, I want to add my greeting to that of Pastor EJ for our friends who are joining us online. Uh, we are so grateful for you. I was thinking about Pastor EJ's uh, story uh, of going camping. I feel like I should be praying for frogs right now, uh, but I won't do that. Uh, but I, I will say that it reveals one aspect of groups, and that is the fellowship part of groups. But when we describe groups here at Woodside, we describe it in three directions up, in, and out, up, in, out. Everybody said it with me, up, in, out. It, it speaks to the fact that a group at its best helps you to grow in your faith in Jesus, that's the up part, deepen your fellowship with other believers, that's the in part, and go on mission for Jesus to reach others with the gospel, that's the out part. You know, I lived the out part last night in a very interesting way in our neighborhood, and some of you who live in the area may have heard, uh, there's a sweet lady who lives uh, not but uh, maybe four or five houses from my wife and I, her, her name is Pat, and uh, she went for a walk last night, and because of some memory challenges, got lost last night. And so, uh, man, folks from all around the neighborhood, we were searching for Pat last night. And it was awesome to see families from my group uh, come together on what felt like a rescue mission to try to find Pat. Well, we searched for hours. Here's the good news. Pat was found and uh, is home safely. I mean, praise God for that. Uh, praise God for that. And she's doing well. But it reminded me of the rescue mission we are on as believers to reach those who may be lost in, uh, in this life, lost without a Savior, lost in their sins. We get to reach them for Jesus, both locally and globally. With the Woodside 100, the Global 100, please know that as you exit today, you get a chance to get more information at either the North and the South entrance. I appreciate Pastor Tom Gitter, who oversees that program. I'm also grateful for our new missions pastor, Don Anderson, who is doing a phenomenal job in helping to support our global partners. One of those 
those global partners needs our prayers today. I just want to mention uh, Mano Daniel. Many of you know our dear brother Mano, who's in India, and uh, he and uh, his leadership team serve literally millions every year throughout India. Well, because of the coronavirus, there's been disruption in the food supply chain. There's just been uh, chaos. So many are sick there. And we, through your generosity, have been able to help them to feed over 18,000 people in India. How many praise God for that? But yet, the need is still great. It is still dire. I am asking for you to pray, to simply join us in praying for Mano, to strengthen his team as those who are in his uh, community are just trying to eat just to be able to uh, survive. And so be praying for them. And uh, as the Lord speaks to your heart, you can respond uh, on our website uh, through the uh, giving uh, tab that's there. But just know on the other side of your generosity, lives are being saved both physically and spiritually. And how many thank God for the love of God that he's placed within the hearts of our Woodside family. Amen? Well, today I'm pretty fired up to be with you again on this special day, the National uh, Ice Cream Day. So I'm going to hurry up and, and try to preach fast and get out of the way so we can get that ice cream. Uh, but there are kids' notes to follow me. If you want to follow me, you can grab your kids' notes now. Uh, also, for the adults who like the color, you can grab yours as well. Uh, but today we are starting a new series called Assembly Required, and the sermon is is we are what we love. We are what we love. Before we get into the text for today, let me start by asking this question. How do you know? How do you know what your priorities really are? Now, that's not a trick question. It's one that I want us to ponder for just a moment. How do you, how do, how do we know what our priorities really are? Uh, as opposed to just the things we say are a priority, but never really show up in the way that we live our lives or on our calendar or in our behavior. How many have ever had something that you said was a priority, but didn't really show up in the way that you lived? Maybe it's getting healthy, right? Uh, I won't tell on you, I'll just tell on myself, right? Uh, this, this great goal that I have at January 1st every single year uh, to get healthy, but somehow, some way, it doesn't always seem to translate into the way that I eat or, or the way that I spend my time. And uh, God is uh, moving in my life, and you keep praying for me, and I'll keep praying for you. But maybe it's something else. Maybe it's uh, financial goals, or maybe it's time with your spouse or time with your children. There are times when there's a disconnect between what we say is a priority and what's actually a priority. So how do we know what our priorities really are? I think that when we study Scripture or just survey human behavior, it can all be summed up in one word, and that is delight. The things that we delight in become our priorities. Maybe another way of saying that is that the things that we love become our priority. And, and one of the ways that it expresses itself is by the time and attention we give to it. The things that you love, the things that you delight in end up capturing your imagination. It's what you daydream about. It's what you think about day and night. And no one has to force you to do that. And what ends up happening is that our loves drive our actions. Anybody ever notice that? That the things that you love, they end up dictating and determining your actions and no one has to force you. 
Well, in the same way, just as your delights determine your priorities in your personal life, it's true for the church as well. And the purpose of the series that we're about to go into is to help you to understand what Woodside as a church family, what we delight in, and how that orders our priority. And today, as we go into the Psalms, we're going to see the first of these delights that we're going to talk to you about over the next several weeks. Can you open your Bible to the grade? Uh, book of Psalms as we start in Psalm number one. And Psalm actually is a collection of five volumes of books, these ancient prayers and hymns and songs of Israel. And really, they become the songs of the church as well. And what the Psalms do at their best is they give us language on how to respond to God in both worship and in relationship. How do we as human beings, fallen, finite, relate to an infinite, almighty God where the Psalms give us direction on how we can do that? And today we're going to look at one of the great Psalms, Psalm 1. Now, when you are studying Psalm, know that Psalm 1 and 2 are connected together, and they are the introduction to the Psalms, and they help to set the tone and the pace of the Psalms. They really become the prototype of the Psalms. And I want to read through it together. And after we read through it, we're going to pull out some really key points that I want you to be able to rejoice in today as we celebrate one of our great delights that consumes our meditation, our time, and orders our priorities. Look at what it says. Verse number one, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. There we see it, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, nor the Lord, for the Lord, rather, knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Those are sobering words, and this is how the book of Psalm uh, reads. Imagine this again as a song set to music that they would sing in their gatherings together. And what was the, the, the heartbeat of the song? What was the chorus, if you will, of the song? Well, the big idea here is this, is that we gather for delight in God's Word. We gather so that we can delight in God's Word. That's what this psalm was intended to communicate to the assembly of God's people back in ancient Israel. On the forefront of their mind, they're asking the same question we're asking. Why do I need to gather week after week after week? Why do we need to come together and assemble week after week after week? Well, the psalmist's answer to this, and in all probability it was King David who wrote this, the psalmist's answer, the same as my answer today, is that we gather to delight in God's Word. That's why we gather. Now, 
We got to be honest and say 2020 has been a different kind of year. Can I get an amen on that one? 2020 has been a different kind of year. For the first time in my lifetime, probably yours as well, our church doors to our buildings across the country and beyond were closed. And we had to, as a necessity, depend on online for gathering. And how many thank God that we had the technology to not miss a beat, but to keep gathering together as God's people virtually. And I praise God for that. But I also want to say this to all my friends that are at home and all my friends that are here. I am a fan of technology. I don't believe that technology is the devil. I don't believe that it's the enemy. I think it could be used for uh, both good and bad. And in the hands of God's people, it could be used for magnificent good. But I will say this, that technology is a supplement, a wonderful supplement, but never a substitute for gathering together as God's people in community to lift up the name of God, to worship our great God and King. Amen? And so for those who are at home and uh, in this season uh, for safety and precautions, I want you to know we love you. We're going to do our best to support that, and uh, we are going to continue to minister to you faithfully. But I pray that as we are in this special or unique season of coronavirus, that the flame and our passion to gather together in person to worship our great God and King never goes out, because there's something powerful when the people of God come together to worship the name of God so that we might reach the world for God. How many want to continue on mission together as God's people? Now, it has always been this way since the very beginning, the inception of the church. The community would come together so that they might delight in God's word. Notice what I keep saying, what the psalmist keeps saying, that the centerpiece of our worship gathering is the word of God. Because the word of God gives guidance and direction to all other aspects of worship. How do we know that what we just sang was pleasing to God? How do we know that the prayers we pray are acceptable to God? How do we know that the things that we're doing in mission are pleasing to God? It's because the Word. The Word governs and guides all of our actions. Now, if we delight in God's Word, there are certain things the psalmist says we can expect. And I want to pull out three expectations that you and I can expect when we gather together, assembly required, assembling together in God's Word, whether in person or online in this season, what can we expect to happen? The first thing we can expect to happen is that the Word would bring blessing. The Word brings blessing. Look at verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Did you notice the word that this psalm starts with? What's the word? Bless. Say it again. Bless. Now, in the Hebrew, this is translated happy. Happy is the man. Happy is the woman. Happy is the one. Happy. How many want to live a happy life? Come on, show your hands. Praise God for the eight of you that raise your hands. All the rest of you will keep praying for. But how many want to live a blessed life? How many want to live a joy-filled life? 
a peace-filled life? How many want to live the good life as God defines it? See, whether you raise your hand or not, I know this to be true, is that all of us want that. All of us want the good life, the blessed life, the happy life. But God gives us the definition of how we experience it. You know, in the Proverbs, it says this, there is a way that seems right unto man, to you and I, but the end of that way leads to death or destruction. God gives us the better way, and the better way is to have a life that delights in God's Word. Now, he introduces, the psalmist introduces this psalm by contrasting two ways of life. Did you notice the difference between verses 1 and 2? Verse 1 gives us what the life of the person looks like who does not delight in God's Word. The life of the person who wanders away from God's Word, verse 2, gives us the opposite. Look at verse 1 again. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Man, a lot of theologians have noticed the, uh, the momentum of this life. Notice it starts out walking and then standing and finally sitting. Notice that the, 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 uh, the more that this man or woman gets involved with the wicked, with uh, sinners, with scoffers, the more progress slows down. Stagnation slows down. Blessings stop flowing in their life. Now, I want you to notice that this isn't just a story or a tale about one man, one woman, one individual, but notice how they're living in community. This is a way of life. This is more than just, hey, I had a bad day. We all have bad days. We all have moments when we don't fully obey God's Word. No, there's a difference, though, with this guy. With this guy, this is the way that he lives his life, and he lives it in a community of people who've chosen to reject God's Word. Notice who his counselors are. He, he uh, walks in the counsel of the wicked. Notice who his companions are. He stands in the way of sinners. Notice who he's sitting with and having fellowship with. He sits in the seat of scoffers, those whose hearts are hardened in rebellion against God. He's living in a community or he's spending time or his companions are those who've rejected God's Word. Let me ask the question, who are your companions? Who are your companions? Those who delight in God's Word or those who don't delight in God's Word? Those who see God's Word as their ultimate authority or those who do not? Those who see God's Word as a pathway to the blessed life, a life of joy and peace, or those who don't take God's Word seriously? We become a reflection of the community that we spend time with. Part of the reason why we, as your pastors, are encouraging you to assemble together is so that you can know the blessed life and live in a community that encourages the light in God's Word. Because if we're reading it right, it is as we delight in God's Word, as we center our lives on God's Word, that we know the joy of Jesus that permeates the blessed life. But look at the contrast in verse number two. 
But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Nobody forced him to. He just loves God's word so much that it consumes his thinking night and day. He's thinking about it all the time. Am I describing anybody out there? Is there anybody who loves God's Word? Anybody out there that enjoys God's Word where you're meditating on it, you're thinking about, man, how does this apply to my life? Man, what a promise I find in Jesus. Man, how can I share this with my friends, family members, and others? You know, this word meditate in the Hebrew means to murmur under one's breath. He's literally reciting Scripture, talking about Scripture, thinking about Scripture all the time. It becomes his delight. My prayer is that the Word of God will become your delight, that you'll delight in it, that you'll delight in its truth, that it won't be a burden for you to engage in it. You know, no pastor wants to say by way of drudgery, hey, read your Bible every day. But a pastor wants to be able to say, hey, exchange duty for desire. Get excited about God's Word. Delight in it because in it you will find the blessed life. And when we come together as an assembled people of God and delight in God's Word, there he will promise his blessing. Let's go to the next promise, the next expectation. Not only can we expect that the Word will bring blessing, but if you're one of those awesome kids that's taking notes at home, you can also write this in for number two. The Word brings fruitfulness. The Word brings fruitfulness. Did you notice verse number three? Look at verse number three. It says this. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. Man, do I love this one. I, I love this one because after telling us we are what we love, and, and if you're looking for a great book on this, James K.A. Smith, this wonderful philosopher out of, uh, out of uh, Calvin College in Grand Rapids, has written this book, You Are What You Love. Basically, your loves determines your, your actions. Uh, I'll give you an example. If there's a particular food you love, you will pursue it. Any lovers of chocolate out there? Anybody love chocolate? Amen. I, I got three people raise their hand when I said, does anybody love the Bible? A hundred people raise their hand when I said, does anybody love chocolate? but we'll talk about that another week. But if you love chocolate, you're going to order your actions so you can get to it. If you love a particular food, you're going to schedule your life around getting to it. I love Michigan State sports. I'm a Spartan through and through. Amen? All right. Got an amen for that one. And then I got some booze, and that's all right, too. The blood of Jesus comes all. Um, but, but here's the thing. I reinforce that love through my actions, the clothes that I buy, the games that I watch, the games that I go to. All of these things are called liturgy. Liturgy is just habits to reinforce loves. That's all a liturgy is. And so after telling us that our loves determine our actions, he goes on to say that, that our delights, our loves, our priorities will also determine our fruitfulness or lack thereof. Look at how he develops the imagery of the person who delights in God's Word. He says that they will be like a tree, a strong tree with deep roots that is flourishing. Why? 
for three reasons. Number one, because they are planted by the streams of water. Notice that if you're going to be a strong fruit-bearing tree, you're going to have to be planted by nourishing water. In other words, you're going to have to intentionally position yourself close to nourishment. Trees that are far from water don't flourish. You have to be intentional. You have to be intentional to be near the stream of God, the water of God, the Word of God that washes our soul, nourishes our soul. And when the Word is planted, it allows that Word to grow and cultivate. It's when we assemble together in community that we get nourishment for our souls that allows us to go forward in fruitfulness. But notice what it says. Secondly, it says that it yields its fruit in its season. There's some intentionality here that that when you are fruitful, it's not just random fruit, but it's seasonal fruit. In other words, you will bear the fruit that's needed in the season you're in. If ever there was a season where we needed Christians to bear the fruit of righteousness, of love, of joy, of peace, how many can agree it's in this season? And you know, there's a lot to lament, but can I brag on this church for just a moment? One of the things that I have loved about our church is that equal to the stories of lament that I've heard, I've also heard stories of God's people showing great acts of kindness, of God's people serving their neighbors, of God's people choosing to walk in grace instead of being caught up in the divisive debates of our age. I've heard so many stories of God's people in this church bearing the fruit that's needed for this season, and it's because you've delighted in God's Word and been planted by the stream of God's Word by assembling together. But there's a third uh, aspect of this tree I hope you notice this, that its leaf does not wither. Now, what kind of tree is this? Every tree I know has a season in which its leaves wither. But what the promise of God is, is that when you delight in the Word of God, famine can come, hardship can come, difficulty can come, and you won't wither. You won't shrink back. I have also watched this church family go through some of the most difficult days many of us have ever seen. Some have lost loved ones. Some have gone through health challenges. Some have have faced financial crises. But yet, I have seen the people of God in this church continue to praise God, have faith in Jesus, look to Him for hope, and sharing Christ with others. Praise God for that. And it's because you've delighted in God's Word. You don't prepare for difficult seasons once they get here. You prepare now as you allow the Word of God to be deeply rooted in your heart so that when the difficult days come, you can say, bring it on. I won't wither. I won't wilt. I won't shrink back because my God is great. And if God be for you, how many know He is greater than the world against you? No matter what comes at you, if you're a tree planted by the water, you will bear fruit. This is what it means to delight in God's Word. And if you ask, why do we assemble week after week after week? It is so that we can delight in God's Word so that you can live the blessed life and so that you can be fruitful. But there's a third point here, and that is that the Word brings salvation. 
Again, kids, taking notes at home, the word brings salvation. And if you filled in all your blanks, you get ice cream after service. How cool is that? Right? Three adults clap too. But here's what he says. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Sobering uh, words to say the least. Notice the contrast. The righteous man or woman, the one who delights in God's word and assembles in community with those who delight in God's word, they're like this strong, firm tree. But the wicked are like chaff, this kind of wheat husk. Or, or maybe another visual illustration is kind of like tumbleweed, right? It just, the wind comes through and it's so easily blown away. The, the believer is like the strong tree so that when the winds blow, it does not lose its anchor. Those who reject God's word are easily blown away. It gives us a sense of security to be rooted in God's word. He specifically says that the wicked are not so. It's like they're, they're not even here. They will be blown away. This isn't to be derogatory. This is to give a warning, a warning of love. This psalm is not an introduction of judgment. It's an invitation to a better life. And here's the better life, my friends. The better life that you can live is a life of blessing and peace and joy that is rooted and grounded in God's Word. No matter what your background is, there's a choice that you and I have to make today. And I pray, I pray that you will make the choice to delight in God's Word, to study about His grace, to learn of His goodness, to be consumed with the life and the message and the promise of Jesus, and to experience salvation. And why is it that the righteous experience salvation? Not because of any good of our own, but because the Lord knows, verse number six, the way of the righteous. He has been examining us, and by his grace, because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, motivating and, and leading us, he looks at our gathering together, and he's pleased. The Lord knows your ways. Do you think that you can do any act of obedience to him and he not see it? He sees every act of obedience, and even your assembling when you have to wake those kids up in the morning. Anybody got afternoon kids like me? Don't like waking up in the morning? Well, praise God, mamas and daddies. When you wake up those kids in the morning, you get them ready. The Lord sees that. He knows that. When you, against your emotions and temptations to go to Bedside Baptist, get up in the morning and, uh, and, and come to the church, he sees that. When you are in the midst of a week where you feel like it's been hell on earth and you, your emotions are telling you just to forget God and walk away, but you say, no, I'm going to bless the name of the Lord. I'm going to come to the house of the Lord. He sees that. The Lord knows. He knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let me ask you this question. If you were in a burning building and the only way you can get out was to use the fire extinguisher that was right next to you. How many would use that fire extinguisher? If you were sick with a disease and the only way for you to survive was to take the medicine or the treatment that the doctor prescribed, how many would take that medicine? Well, God here is warning. He's warning that if you choose to reject God's word, 
that your ways will ultimately perish. But you can have life, abundant life, life full of joy and delight. All you have to do is center your life on the Word of God. Here's the prescription, my friend. Here's the fire extinguisher. It is delighting in God's Word. And how many will take the advice of Dr. Jesus? How many will take the advice of the Word of God to center your life on His Word so that you and your children might live and be blessed? And not only is this a blessing for us as we assemble. It's a blessing for the generations because God promises He will bless to a thousand generations those who delight in Him or obey Him. So as your life changes, know that your children will be blessed as well as they see you delighting in God's Word. So today, I want to encourage you. I want to remind you that you can live the blessed life. You can have joy. You can have the security of being firmly grounded even in difficult times. You can have a promise for this life and the life to come if you simply delight in God's Word. So the question then is what do you do? What do you do now that you've heard? Romans 10 tells us this, that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And in order for salvation to happen, we have to have faith. But in order to have faith, we have to hear. And in order to hear, we have to have a preacher. The reason why we do this week after week after week is so that you can hear preachers expound upon the Word of God that brings the life of blessing so that you can know salvation. So today, don't just be hearers of the Word, be doers of the Word, and give your life to Jesus, and I promise you, he will make all things new. Can we stand together today and give God praise all over this auditorium? Can we give God praise? Amen? I'm going to pray for us, but I'm asking for you to respond. Uh, earlier today, there was a slide where you can text uh, the number if you want to get connected, if you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want to get connected with other believers, one of our friendly team members will follow up with you if you text uh, that number, and I promise you uh, that it will be the best decision you've made in your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the salvation that comes from you and you alone. And as we prepare to sing our song of praise to you again, we want you to know we delight in your word. We love and we celebrate you, King Jesus. Lord, have your way in our lives so that we might be able to share the blessing you've given us with others. And it's in Christ's mighty, magnificent, and holy name we pray. And all God's people say hallelujah, amen, and amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We'd love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org contact to introduce yourself today.